Amen, amen. That's, that's very entertaining. Now, um, I want you to lock your mind in tonight because there's a few statements uh, that, that were made that I believe are critical for what I want to speak about tonight. If you heard the dad, he said this. He said, whether or not they believe it or not is not the issue. He said, that is just how we live. He said, this is how we were raised, and so it is normal to us. The son said, who was narrating this, he said, even now, if I have the fan on, I always sleep with the door open. Not because I believe fans can kill you, but because I'm Korean. Then he made the statement, he said, habits and beliefs are not always connected. He said it is rooted in culture. Now, fan debt tonight is humorous and really quite harmless. What I want to minister on tonight is the reality that for some people, their culture and what they believe because of their culture can actually hinder their walk with God. It can quite possibly even prevent someone from living as a Christian altogether. I want to preach a sermon I've uh, entitled tonight, uh, Are You a Christian First? And I want to consider the challenges each and every one of us face when our culture clashes with our Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in a manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Let's pray. God, we come tonight by the grace of God, by the blood of your son, Jesus. God, I'm asking you, God, for your word. God, bring clarity, God. I pray, help us, God. The day and hour we live, God, I pray, help us to put you first in all that we do, God. Put our differences aside, Lord, as we serve you in unity. Thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Are you a Christian first? Let's consider, firstly, tonight the, 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 con the control of culture. When we talk about culture tonight, we know that we're talking about a way of life, Lifestyles has to do with customs, traditions, heritage, habits, ways or values of a particular group of people. And so culture has to do with things like accents, has to do with the type of clothes we wear, the types of food that we like, how we talk to one another, how we raise our family. And so our culture many times is what defines us. It strongly influences our thoughts and our behaviors. And so without even realizing it, most of us in one way or another have been thoroughly shaped by our culture or the culture that we grew up in. For most people, this is where their identity comes from. Culture literally makes up so much 
of who we are. And so the reality of it is every person here tonight comes from somewhere. We all have roots. We all have a background. And no doubt we are proud of who we are. For some, you come from a culture where you idolize family. It is family first. Family is literally everything. And so to break away or to separate uh, from family on any level would be like committing the cardinal sin. There are other people, they grew up in a culture where it is all about education. Uh, I remember one day we were back in the States, we're in a, in a library, and we were there in that library, and there was a, a 90%. You start looking around that library, and most of the people in that library, they were uh, 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 of Indian descent. And if you know anything about Indians, they stress education. Everything is education, every education education and so it is very interesting that when you go to a library there they can be uh in our area chandler there are not many indians there but where you're going to find them is in the library because they're stressing culture is education i know people their culture is to support a certain sports team, whether, you know, Manchester United, Tottenham, Liverpool, uh, they will wear the clothes, they will wear the hats. Uh, that'll, that is all they want to talk about. It is my team, even though they've never played a day in their life. <laughs> to them, football is church. They never miss a match. Why? Because that is their culture. In our text, we see Peter, and Peter was a Jewish man. And so Peter came from a Jewish culture. And in Peter's culture, it was normal to think that Gentiles were unclean. In Peter's culture, Jews and Gentiles did not get along. They did not eat together. They did not follow the same dietary laws. In short, the Jews were the chosen people of God, and the Gentiles simply were not. That was the mindset of their culture. And in this mindset had become so ingrained within their culture that a Jew honestly did not believe that a non-Jew or a Gentile could even be saved. Acts 15.1, it says, And certain men came down from Judea or Jerusalem and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so I want you to understand this is the culture they were living in. This is the backdrop of what it was taking place. You had the Jews who had their culture. They did not believe that Gentiles could be saved. They had they were been raised to believe that no Gentile could ever be saved. And this was their culture. This was their way of life. So let's look secondly then at confronting culture because the truth is there is a fallen aspect of every culture. In other words, what I mean by that, every culture has ingrained in it something or aspects that go against the gospel of Jesus Christ. We had a missionary, Paul and Deanna Alvarez. They were in China a few years back, and I was talking to him. They were in Shanghai. And he said, he was telling me, I was explaining this thought to him. He said, Tori, you know, it's interesting. He said, in China, if you, he said, say you see somebody drowning. He said, you do not try to save them. He said, because if you try to save them, then you can lose your own life. And in China, your own life was as important. And they never wanted you to lose two lives trying to save one. Yeah. How many know that works against the gospel? 
Because Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, uh, than to lay down his life for a friend. And so if you're trying to preach the gospel in that culture, uh, it is uh, ingrained in their culture something that is working against the gospel. Are you with me? Yeah. That part of their Christianity literally clashes with their culture. There are things that you and I do tonight. There are ways that, that you and I think um, that are absolutely normal to us. To us, they are perfectly okay. But the problem is they don't necessarily line up with the ways and the mind of Christ. And it's those things. It is those mindsets that must be confronted. In our text, our story takes place in Antioch. Now, Antioch uh, was a metropolis. It was a very bustling city located north of Israel. It was in the province of Syria. And so it was a major uh, Roman empire. And it was the city of the early Christian church. It, uh, the, Antioch, the Antioch church was an amazing church. It was a great church. If you know, it was where Christians were first called Christians was here in Antioch. And so the church in Antioch was a church that sent out missionaries and they helped to spread the gospel all around the world at that time. Now, this church was a church that had a large Jewish population, but it also had a large Gentile, Gentile population as well. And so these two groups of people were fitting together in this rather large church. And so there were Jews. They'd been raised as Jews. They'd been circumcised as Jews. They'd been raised under the Jewish law. They had kept the law all of their lives as faithful Jewish people. And then they heard about the fulfillment of the Jewish law in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they believed that Jesus was truly the Messiah. And so they received him. They came to Christ, and many of them were gloriously saved. At the same time, there was this large group of Gentile believers. They had never been circumcised. They had never followed the Jewish religion. They had never eaten kosher food. They had been raised literally in paganism, but they got saved out of their paganism, and they came to Christ. And I want you to understand, at first, these two groups were getting along fine. They were baby Christians together. They began to learn the things of the Lord together. They fellowshiped together. They hung out together. Uh, they experienced answers to prayers together. Uh, they studied together. They prayed together. They evangelized together. They literally loved each other. Uh, they would sit down and fellowship and eat together, uh, which was a huge deal for these Jewish believers uh, because remember, for all of their lives, what had been pounded into their heads and their hearts uh, uh, of these Jews is don't you ever sit down at a table with a dirty, pagan, non-Jewish individual. Well, it'll scandalize you. It'll make you unclean before God. And so it was something that no self-respecting Jew would ever do. But see, what I want you to understand is that these Jews had come to know the truth of Christ and they realized that they were there with their brothers and sisters, these Gentiles, and so they ate together, in their mind, no big deal. We're all Christians. Everything's fine. So far, so good. Then the Bible says, our text says that one day, the apostle Paul, uh, Peter, he comes for a visit. 
Now, can you imagine the scene? I want you to lock your mind in because this is Peter, the apostle Peter. This is the Peter whom the Lord himself had seen fishing and said to him, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the Peter who everyone, everyone else was afraid. He got out of the boat and walked on water. This is Peter who along with James and John was there on Mount Transfiguration and literally saw the Lord Jesus Christ transfigured figure right before his eyes this is the Peter whom Jesus called the rock and said upon your revelation of me I'm gonna build my church this was the Peter who stood up at Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved this was Peter who actually knew the Lord Jesus and walked with Jesus and so I say that all to say they were absolutely thrilled to be around him I'm sure that when he showed up and, 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 and they crowded around him, they had questions for him. They listened to him preach. They wanted to hear his words, uh, his insight, uh, and they would have had such a great time with Peter. And I want to tell you that what Peter saw at Antioch absolutely amazed him. No doubt he would have been reminded of his own vision in Acts chapter 10 where he had gone to Cornelius's house and the Holy Spirit had come down because Cornelius had received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. As a Gentile, Cornelius had come to the faith. How many know that it was Peter who was the one who initially brought the gospel to the Gentiles? He would have been reminded of how God said it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it is what comes out of a man. He would have recalled the prophecies of Isaiah 53 um, when God had prophesied uh, about stretching forth the tent stakes uh, because the Gentiles were coming. Uh, see, God was always trying to prepare the Jews uh, for this very moment in our text. Uh, now Peter is, he's here in Antioch. And he's seen all these Gentiles are coming to the faith and here are these Jews and here are these Gentiles and they're all just one big happy family. They're eating together. They're loving one another and no doubt Peter was encouraged by this. He was thrilled. He was excited as he saw them worshiping God, singing together, rejoicing, praying and supporting one another. And You have to remember now there was nothing like this going on back in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem church was still a pretty much Jewish-only church. There were no Gentiles there. And so Peter is here loving this church in Antioch. After all, he's witnessing what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. Can you say amen? And Peter was enjoying every minute of it. Then the Bible says that one day, here come some more visitors. And these visitors had come from Jerusalem and they claimed to have been sent by James who was the leader at the church in Jerusalem. And so they were kind of on an inspection tour. They had heard about this church and they're coming to see what's going on. And as they're traveling around visiting these churches, they come to this church at Antioch. Now, of course, they were excited to see what that the church had grown Things were happening, no doubt they were thrilled until with their own eyes, think about this, they saw these uncircumcised Jewish believers, or excuse me, these circumcised Jewish believers eating with these uncircumcised Gentile believers. They saw these, their Jewish brothers totally disregarding the kosher law 
of their forefathers. And as they're witnessing this, no doubt they thought, what in the world is happening? Have you lost your faith? Have you lost your purity? Have you backslidden? Why aren't you folks doing what is right? And so the Bible says that they essentially call Peter to the side. They say, Brother Peter, listen, we know that you mean well, Peter. We get that. We understand that. But listen, maybe you've gotten caught up in all this enthusiasm. Don't you see that these clean Jewish people are now having these close relationships with these, you know, these these." These Gentile people. And listen, Peter, yes, we get that they are believing in Christ, our Jewish Messiah. But have they been circumcised, Peter? Have they? No, they haven't. Do they follow the laws of Moses? Huh, Peter, do they? Well, no, not exactly. No, they don't, Peter. Are they keeping the dietary, the kosher laws with regards to what they're eating? Are they, Peter? And Peter would have had to say, no, they, they aren't. Well then, Peter, they are unclean. Are you causing these Jewish believers, when they sit down with these Gentiles, to become unclean themselves? See, Peter, before you know it, our children aren't going to be circumcised. And we're going to lose our culture, Peter. We're going to lose our heritage. And might we remind you, Peter, who gave us our heritage? God, Peter. God gave us the heritage, and he commanded us to follow. Don't you see, Peter, you're causing all sorts of problems. Listen, stay with your own people. And guess what happened? Peter gave in. To his own inner doubts. Look at verse 12. It says, for before certain men came from James, listen to this, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. The text says that Peter stopped eating with his new Christian brothers. Now, he probably, in my mind, he would have worded it very well. Peter was articulate Peter was a good speaker he probably said now you know guys you, you know how much I love you 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 do know that right see we have these visitors here and and until these folks leave how can I say that how can you know what I, I'm just gonna separate I'm just gonna hang out with them for a little while but 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 listen I, I still love you I'm still I still believe in the vision I I I, I you know I, I, I you know what ha, I don't want them to have the wrong impression I don't want them to think the wrong thing of me. And so he probably said what many people say today, you know, God knows my heart. God knows I want to do what's right, but, but they're putting so much pressure on me. And maybe just for right now, maybe until I can work some things through, uh, I think it's best if, you know, if I just, if I, I think I'm just going to be with them for a little while and for right now. And see, what Peter was doing is he was allowing his culture, his upbringing, his traditions, his hair. He was allowing his culture to dictate his Christianity. Now, church, I wonder how often 
you and I can be tempted to do the very same thing. It can be as simple as in the States, you know, we have Irish people and they're like, man, I'm Irish, I have to get drunk. Sorry, Pastor, I know we shouldn't drink, but I'm Irish. This is who we are. And so what they're saying, in other words, under different circumstances, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't be okay, but if it's our culture, well, then you know that's different. Can I tell you something tonight? Christianity will always bring a clash of cultures. See, one of the reasons Catholicism works in many countries is because they allow you to have all of your idols and just add Jesus to your idolatry. They're all good with that. Because Catholicism literally is no clash of cultures. Your, your culture is never confronted. But listen, where the gospel is preached, our culture will constantly be confronted. Never forget, we were pastoring on the East Coast, our first church in, in a place called North Carolina, over in the States. And, you know, you go to outreach and we'd be witnessing the people and passing out flyers and talking to people. And it's interesting. You know, we had a very diverse church, black, white, Hispanic, uh, uh, people from all over. But uh, invariably, somebody, I'd be rich, and they say, well, what kind of church is it? And I say, what do you mean, what kind of church? Now, I knew what they meant. Because it'd always be a black person asking me that. <laughs> And so they say, what kind of church is it? I'm like, oh, it's a Christian church. They're like, no, I, I know, but what kind of church is it? I'm like, oh, it's made of brick and mortar and, you know. <laughs> then they say, look, is it a black church? I'm like, well, I'm black and I go there. But my wife white and she go there too, so. I said, I would always tell them, I said, no, it's a it's the type of church where people go who are trying to be Christians. And they say, oh, you, okay, you, you, you got me, you got me, you know what I'm saying. Say it again, it's possible to allow our culture to supersede our Christ. It's possible to allow my Christianity to take a back seat to the way that I was raised I should question tonight, does your Christianity inform your culture or is it the other way around? Do you filter your culture through your Christianity or does your Christianity have to be filtered through your culture? In other words, are you a Christian first? Before anything else, are you a Christian first? Or your father first, or your mother first, or your businessman first, a student, or you, are you of a certain political party before anything else? Would you identify, when you identify, when somebody asks you, is uh, 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 you identify, do you identify as a Christian before any other identifiers? A while back, you know, we have a Christian rapper over in the States, you may have heard of him, his name's Lecrae. And I don't know if you heard, but a few years back, he came out, see, Lecrae uh, went mainstream. He was very, very popular, but I, I read an article, and the title of the article said, Lecrae is divorcing white evangelicalism. 
Now, if you know his background, Lecrae, his pastor was named John Piper. He was a white guy, and uh, uh, Lecrae got saved under this guy's ministry. Uh, Piper has a powerful ministry, but uh, uh, what happened is when we start having all the race riots in the United States, when Michael Brown got shot, what happened is uh, Lecrae said he, did, he noticed that uh, uh, for the first time in his life that there were people in his church that weren't responding to that shooting the same way that he was responding to it. And so out of that, he took a trip home. And when he went home, he noticed that his, his whole family and his whole surrounding neighborhood, they wouldn't receive him. That when he came home, they told him, listen, you might be, people all around the world might be listening to your songs, but we don't listen to your song. You're not accepted around here. And what they were saying to him is that your Christianity has caused you to step outside of your culture. And Lecrae started to talk about how this was very hard on him. He didn't know how to take this, and out of that, he made a decision to walk away from the church that he had been part of uh, uh, predominantly all of his Christian life. Uh, why? Because his culture had to come first. He said it bothered him to hear his own people say those kind of things to him. So I want to ask you tonight, how do you deal, how do we deal with the issue of culture superseding Christ? I believe the only way to deal with it is the way Paul dealt with it in our text. He confronted it. Verse 1, Paul says concerning Peter, he says, I withstood him to his face. Now I want you to think about this because this would have been embarrassing for Peter. But it had to be done. See, how I many you know culture is really the epicenter of pride? Most of our culture, we don't realize it or not, but it's rooted in pride. Whether it's black pride, white pride, Mexican pride, even gay pride today. See, the issue many times is you have to be humbled when your culture is confronted. Because when you're confronting culture, what you're really confronting is hypocrisy. Verse 13 says, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And so Peter has become a hypocrite because he allowed his culture to get in the way of his Christianity, but he couldn't even see it. That's why he had to be confronted. Because it's very blinding sometimes. Our culture is so much a part of us uh, that unless somebody points out uh, that our culture is getting away of our Christianity, it's hard for any of us to see it. It's interesting, Lecrae, he decides my own people aren't accepting me and I have to change that. Now today, think about this, the fallout from choosing culture over Christ is he's become blinded to his own worldliness. If you know his story, now he's doing music with anybody and everybody for the sake of culture. He'll do music with people that are anti-Christ. He's become a hypocrite. He's preaching the gospel that Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so he is preaching in his music a gospel that says we are all one, and yet he is choosing to separate himself along cultural lines. 
Just like Peter, Paul says to him in verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in a manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? He says, if you being a Jew live like Gentiles, why are you trying to tell the Gentiles that they need to live as Jews? In other words, what he's saying is, if you're supposed to be a Christian and you're acting like a sinner, how are you trying to force sinners to be Christians? He says, you can't even live as a Christian yourself, but yet you're trying to tell sinners they need to get saved. That is hypocrisy. Can you say amen? Not only that, he says there's a theological issue here. Paul tells Peter, you're not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. That word straightforward is the Greek word orthopedo. If something's wrong uh, uh, with your feet or your back or something like that, you go to an orthopedic doctor uh, and they will correct or they will straighten uh, your bone deformity. And so what Paul is telling Peter, he's saying you are not walking straight forward. You're not walking a straight gospel life by withdrawing from these uh, uh, Gentile believers, Peter. You're actually denying the truth that all believers are one in Christ. You're trying to add your Jewish heritage to the gospel. Yes, it was your heritage. And yes, you had it for thousands of years. But what he wants Peter to understand is that now you're saved and Jesus is your heritage now. What? Choosing culture over Christ is to deny the very gospel itself. Let's close then and talk about a Christ culture. You know, one of the things my... Kids used to always find fascinating in America, especially where I'm from in Missouri, it's still separated uh, black and white pretty strongly. But even in Arizona, where we're from, like I'll walk down the street and say I see another black guy coming. We'll, we'll get close and we'll be like. <laughs> and so when I was growing up, my kids, when they were younger, they'd always they start asking me, Dad, do you know him? I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> They're like, well, I saw you as, I was like. Yeah, they said, why do you do that? And so I had to think, I'm like, because he black. <laughs> I, I got no better read. That's just what we do. You know, we're like, what's up, man? You know? <laughs> if I see a white guy, I wouldn't do it, right? I see a white guy, and I just, that'd be weird. <laughs> He'd be like, what's up, man? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so... My point is, there's almost this unity that comes from a shared culture. And, and the truth is, culture is a powerful unifier. People can identify with each other. And this brings people together under common grounds, and this is powerful. In fact, there is perhaps nothing that unifies people as much as culture does. Problem, however is that when there are multiple cultures, then instead of unifying, it begins to divide them. Prisons 
I'm sure they're the same, but in America, listen, you have to go in and you have to get with your culture right away if you're going to survive. They're literally separated by race and culture. And so this is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 3, for where there are strife and envy and jealousy and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. See, here's a group of believers who uh, they're arguing about uh, who's of Peter, who's of Paul. Uh, and so essentially what they're, they're in a church setting and they're trying to figure out, man, how, who do you connect with? Who do you identify with? And the problem is, is they could have had three or four different cultures in that one church, which would have brought all sort of division yeah. that's what he said he says listen it's God see in America we constantly have to tell people listen we're not aiming for a black church a Mexican church a Arizona church we're aiming for a Christ church when everybody seeks their own culture listen it doesn't bring people together it doesn't foster unity it divides Christianity of any religion on planet earth it unifies that's the beauty of our fellowship that we come under one umbrella and every nation every tongue and yet we can come together and we can find a common ground in Christ because we're unified really as brothers and sisters we see this with Jesus John chapter 4 I want to look at this and then we're going to pray because we know the story here. Jesus decides. He says, I need to go through Samaria. And you know the background here. The Jews hated the Samaritans because they were a mixed breed. They were half breeds. They were seen as unclean. In verse 5 of chapter 4, he says, so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. Now, this well that it talks about, it seems insignificant. Why would it say that Jacob's well was there? It, 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 it seems to not even fit, but the description is in our text. This is Jacob's well that was located in Samaria. And so it's important and relevant for what I am preaching here tonight to know that the Jews did not get along with the Samaritans. The Samaritans did not get along with the Jews. But here's what's very interesting. They both love Jacob. Why? Because Jacob was the father of the Jews and the Samaritans. Of course, the Jews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but also he was the father of the Samaritans because the Samaritans accepted the first five books of the Bible, and Genesis is in, is the first book, of course, of the Bible. Jacob is in the first book of the Bible, so they accepted Jacob. Are you with me? So I want you to think with me now, here is Jesus. In order to met, make this thing work, Jesus met this woman on common ground. He met her at Jacob's well. And he's making a statement that he was not going to allow their cultural differences to get in between a, the, them, to get in between the gospel. Then our text says he asked her for a drink. 
Listen, this, is, this would have been a complete shocker. Because verse 11 tells us that he doesn't even have anything to draw water with. And so he, Jesus is going to do something that no Jew does. Something that his people just would never do. He is going to put his Jewish lips on her Samaritan cup. Other Jews wouldn't dare put their Jewish lips on her Samaritan cup. Why? Because to them... Their cultural differences were more important than their common Christ. But Jesus, what he was saying is that I would rather put aside our cultural differences for the sake of the gospel. Verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? So my question to you tonight is, how did she know he was, Jew, was a Jew? He never identified himself as a Jew. He never says, oh, uh, I'm, I'm a Jew. Evidently, in my mind, he's obviously a Jew because his look or his accent, uh, she knew that he was a Jew. How? By his culture. In other words, what I want, what I want to say, and this is important to what I'm preaching is that Jesus maintained his cultural identity, yet he didn't let it get in the way of what his father had called him to do. See, I'm not talking tonight about totally losing your culture. I am simply saying, do not let your culture get in the way of your Christ. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Think about this. She says, our fathers said this is how we ought to worship. In other words, what she's saying is, this is how I was raised. This is what I was taught in my home. Our father said, this is how we worship. And Jesus basically says to her, listen, I don't care what your father told you. I don't care how you were raised because how you were raised was wrong. Listen, I want to make a statement. I want you to hear me tonight. The moment how you were raised disagrees with what God says, then how you were raised is wrong say that again the moment how you were raised disagrees with what God says God's not the one that was wrong how you were raised is wrong and you have to make a conscious decision in that moment we all do I could go on about my own background and my own culture but there are things that you're going to have to decide I know this is how I was raised maybe it's fan death You know, sometimes it could be as ridiculous as that. But if it is getting the way of what God says, I've got my culture is going to have to bow down to my Christ. The question becomes, are you a Christian? Not just are you a Christian? Because we all, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian first? Is that the number one identifier in your life? Because if, listen, there are many people who don't make it the distance for God. 
or they never fully surrender to God because the moment Christianity butts heads with their culture, they choose their culture. And they make statements like, this is what I've always done. This is all that I know. This is the way I was raised. This is the way my parents taught me. And listen, I mean no disrespect here, but listen, somehow, somewhere, Christ has to be above everything. He has to be everything if he's truly going to be anything. Are you a Christian? First, I ask you to bow your heads with me tonight. God, we thank you.